Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell uh, what our moms tell people when their iPhones won't connect to the Wi-Fi. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. And sometimes we mess up the intro, uh, which is what I just did, regrettably. But you know what? It's too late now. The podcast is started, so we just got to go on with it. Uh, now, right. our, our first topic for, for tonight, really sort of fittingly, in, in keeping with the name of our show, which is, of course, Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice, is, you know, the age-old debate. And by age-old, I mean like the last like two or three years. Light Mode versus Dark Mode. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so this question comes from uh, It Is Logical, who sent us a lot of questions and continues to do so, uh, which is which is great because we love the questions. Uh, submissions at drkmodepodcast.com. You can send us some questions. Um, but this is one of many from this particular person. And so, yeah, the question of dark mode, uh, dark mode versus light mode. And this question is especially uh, contentious or especially um, uh, uh, important in the uh, programming realm. And I will say that a lot of programmers are very very uh, fixated uh, or passionate, I should say, uh, about dark mode. And you can find plenty of memes uh, on the internet about, uh, you know, dark mode and making fun of people who use uh, light mode on their IDEs and, and, you know, code editors and all that stuff. Uh, My personal opinion is light mode during the day and dark mode at night. So on Mac OS and iOS and all that, I have the automatic mode set up. And I think that's perfect because during the daytime, I want my screen's to be bright because there's, you know, bright lights around me. It looks like it's daytime. Um, it can sometimes, for me personally, I think be a little bit easier to read. But then at nighttime, uh, you know, I don't want to strain my eyes as much. It's dark out and I want, uh, you know, I want my uh, my screens to be a bit darker. So definitely dark mode at that point. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. I don't think it should be, uh, but maybe it is. Well, I mean, you say that, but let's let's keep in mind that we are talking about the Internet here where Mm -hmm. anything can be a controversial opinion. And if I may, um, see, you've sort of come at this from a pragmatic approach. And I have to say, I I fully agree with you in terms of programming. I think light mode, given given how much is like text on screen with otherwise empty windows, light mode would be pretty terrible on that. It's the same thing with like Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro doesn't even have a light mode because it would just be blindingly bright and hard to see. Like, think about it in your head. Dark mode has been on Final Cut Pro since Final Cut 10. That's 10 years. Final Cut 10 came out in 2011, and it has been dark mode really? even. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't you're crazy? right. Wow. I didn't even. You're right, but that that that's like longer than I I would think. I know. I still think of it as new because. Do you remember we learned Final Cut 7 in high school? Granted, that was yeah. when, when Final Cut Pro, uh, when 10 was already out, but we learned on 7, which was light mode, and then 10 was dark mode. Uh, yeah. it, it has been from the, very, from the very beginning, even before the debate of dark mode versus light mode existed, because from a graphical interface standpoint, there are certain cases where dark backgrounds are just objectively better. Um, but I think, if I may, 
the whole debate here has come not down to practical application, but down to aesthetics, which is a pretty subtle but noticeable difference. Like I'm talking menu bar, dock, the 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 bars at the top of windows. Uh, mm-hmm. On the phone, you know, you, you're talking in different applications like YouTube Studio, which I have to say I prefer in dark mode. Um, maybe that's a bit niche. You know, admittedly, there's not a ton of people out there with YouTube Studio as like a primary application that they use. Um, I, I am, of course, one of those people. Um, but I think, I mean, for me personally, I don't have it switch automatically because, and this is very important, the whole sort of general ambiance of my device is set by the wallpaper. And mm. if I have a light-themed dark, uh, sorry, a light-themed wallpaper, I want to be in light mode. If I have a dark-themed wallpaper, I'm in dark mode. So for me, it's dependent on that. Like if I, uh, I'll do a little demonstration here. If you're listening to this podcast, then I'm sorry because you can't see this, but I have the uh, blue iPhone 12 Pro Max, and I have a sort of dark blue wallpaper theme, and I have it in dark mode. So see that it all goes together. That's that's where I like dark mode. It's about aesthetics for me. Well, that's fair. And to that point, I that's why I really appreciate um, the uh, the um, dynamic wallpapers or whatever they're called that will adjust based on the based on the theme. So on my iPhone, I have uh, the iOS twelve uh, default background, and on my Mac, I have the uh, the one with the waves and even on my work computer i have a work computer background um that is also a dynamic background or whatever it's called and i appreciate that uh the wallpaper because i don't really change my wallpaper but i don't have to uh i don't conform my theme to the wallpaper it's the wallpaper conforms to the theme so so i i will say that i'm able to keep the aesthetic as far as that's concerned uh with being able to switch between dark and light mode uh, I hate to I hate to go back, but you did say iOS 12 when I think you meant iOS 14, and I was very amused by that. I think iPhone 12, iOS 14 mixed me up a little bit, but yes, I did say mm. iOS 12. Uh, that does right. make sense. I wish that they would sync up the iPhone numbering with the iOS numbering because that's already synced up with the uh, the chip numbering, like. Right. That's something that not a lot of people talk about, actually. Like, some people wonder why did Apple start with A4 when they made their first Apple Silicon chip for the iPhone in 2010, and that's mm-hmm. because it was iOS 4. So it really wasn't the fourth chip. There haven't been 14 uh, iPhone chips made by Apple. There've really only been 10. But regardless, uh, yes, I, I I do agree with that. Uh, however, I have to say, you know. While I appreciate your, you know, you're clearly making that that sort of logical consistency argument in terms of your wallpapers. What if you don't want one of the, what do they have? Like a, they only have a, a handful of dynamic mm-hmm. wallpapers. So if you right. don't want one of those, like Big Sur, I have to say the Big Sur default wallpaper has not gotten old on me. Light or dark mode, I think both of those look really good, and mm-hmm. you know. There, every time there's a new version of Mac OS, you would get that new wallpaper and you're like, I'm like on top of it. I got the new wallpaper. I'm so cool. And then like two months later, it's it's 
it's a default wallpaper mm -hmm. and you change it. So if you do want to change it, what do you do? Because now your aesthetics are going to be all whack. Well, I guess at that point, it is possible to make your own uh, dynamic wallpaper or, or to find one. For me personally, I generally stick with the default wallpapers. Occasionally, I'll make, set it to a picture that I take. Generally, I just, I'm not a good photographer, so I keep it to the, to the default wallpapers. Um, but okay, that is, that is a real problem. Uh, that is a real problem that someone could have. A real first world problem. Uh, that not enough could people have. are talking about this. This is a serious issue that affects millions of people per year. Dark mode aesthetic 101. Uh, and I have to say, you know, I can't, I, I, I don't feel comfortable calling ourselves sage advice givers when mm. our advice is use a default wallpaper. You know what I mean? I feel like we got to do better than that. What we really need is. I don't, is there some sort of a program you could make that changes the wallpaper in accordance to the time so that when you go to light mode, you have a lighter version? When you go to dark mode, you have a darker version? Well, you can already make custom. So, like, the wallpaper that I have for my work computer is actually made up of 24 pictures, one for each hour, and, um, and uh, macOS will automatically switch the pictures based on the hour. So you can do some pretty cool, like uh, sunrise, sunset looking kind of things um, with that. So if you want to invest the time and if you have a good design that you can make or find, you can, uh, you can uh, make it work. So I guess our, our sage advice is become a graphic designer. Yes. And make your own wallpaper. Yes, or if I may make one suggestion before we okay. move on. If you just turn on the invert colors, then your computer will always look bad no matter what you do, and then you don't have to worry about it. Well, you know, that's a great point. Uh, actually, now that you mention that, is the uh, have they brought Smart Invert over to macOS? Because remember before iOS had dark mode, everyone was like, oh, well, if, we, uh, if you use Smart Invert, you can make a dark mode, and it's only right. very weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have that on the Mac, though. I'm not sure. Uh, and I don't know what that would do to the wallpaper. This is the kind of science that we need to be investing in. Yeah, I mean, now that you mentioned it, I think it's really, really shameful that Apple is not investing in this smart inversion technology for the Mac. Clearly, they've got all the work done for the iPhone. Um, so, you know, the real question here is, why do we not have more tools for creating light and dark mode switching aesthetics? Because I, I have to say, Noah, I, I, can't, I can't really argue with you on your logic. I was really hoping that you were going to say something that I could poke all sorts of holes in. Because, well, you know, it's more fun to poke holes than to just agree with you. That's boring. However, True. I, you know, I, I really don't have anything. No, I'm, I mean, that's pretty typical, right? I say something and, you know, flawless, no, no holes well, in it, right? Well, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the best that you could do is sort of scotch tape on a colander, I, I would say. That's generally like your, your most sound arguments. This one, I'll admit, this one was a bowl, you know, that it, it's airtight, watertight, if you will. But mm -hmm. normally, it's more scotch tape on a colander. If you can't name 20 times that I've made a bad point in the next five seconds, then this I was right This seems like every a leading question. 
I, I feel like this is a this is a trap, and I'm not gonna. Not fall your time's for up. It. Not your no, time's no, up. No, 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 no. That doesn't count. Okay. It, issue number one. There was one mm-hmm. time where you said iOS 12 when you went to say iOS 14. You made I a was fool just, of yourself. I was making sure that you were listening, and no, fortunately you, you were. No. You were not making sure I was listening. You that was that was one of I think. If one of, if not the biggest blunder in podcasting history. Well, if that's the case, then I would say podcasting has not had too many, uh, too many uh, blunders up to this well, point. Well, name name twenty worst podcast blunders in the next five seconds. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I'm sorry, your time is up. So, sorry, but I guess, you know, you couldn't make that argument work. Scotch tape on a colander. I don't know what to tell you. All right, you know what? Touche, I will, I, will, I will give that one to you. All right, now I believe we have our next topic here. Yes. Uh, now that I've, I'd say, handily defeated Noah in the art of 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 the sort of verbal combat jousting that we have here mm-hmm. uh, yes for sure for sure um so yeah would you like to introduce our next topic for tonight yes so this next topic comes from eric i hope i'm pronouncing that right e-r-i-c-h i think it's eric uh so the question is basically the trade-off between upgrading your device and just getting a new one uh how much effort do you put into upgrading your device how much effort can you put into upgrading your device and when do you sort of throw in the towel and say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna upgrade at this point that's our that's our next topic so you've sort of used upgrade uh interchangeably there for for on the one hand upgrade referring to continuing to extend Mm. the life of your current device and on the other hand referring to purchasing a new device so i just wanted to clarify that in this particular case we're talking about the merits of continuing to extract value and use from the device you already own versus trading it in and purchasing a new one now i will always say trade it in because there are zero acceptable circumstances where you should throw away a MacBook. It's surprising that people do, but apparently there are some people out there who are like, this computer's kind of slow or maybe a little broken. Therefore, it's going in a landfill. That mm-hmm. is a really bad thing to do. I highly, highly doubt that anyone who's listening to this will or has done that. Um, and if, in fact, you are listening to this, and you have done that, then, you know, you can see yourself out. That's really shameful behavior there, and we don't condone that here on Dark Mode. This is for sage advice only. If it is not sage, if it's like rosemary or thyme, get out of here. That was a little uh, little herb herb pun. Do you have that one saved up since, uh, since you thought of the slogan? Had that one locked and loaded for a week and a half. Yep. I finally yep, yep. got to use it. Now, That's so great. now, Noah, you're a big, uh, you're you're really an expert on on mm. upgrading devices. Your your 2011 MacBook Pro lasted you how many years? Yeah, the 2011 lasted me until 2017. So, I don't know what is that six years? 
right? Yeah, and somewhere. It was, I mean, it's months. Months are gonna come and go, but somewhere around yeah, six years. To be fair, is sort of like early 2011 to the later half of 2017, mm -hmm. which was still pretty good. Um, it lasted longer than your 2017 MacBook Pro did. Yeah, well, it's uh, well, it's kind of funny because my first computer was actually a 2009 13-inch MacBook Pro, and after two years, I got the uh, the 2011 15-inch. I mean, on the one hand, the the uh, 2009 13-inch was, you know, pretty slow. There's no discrete graphics, whatever. Um, also, I was pretty young at the time, so I didn't necessarily know better as far as like being able to. Uh, to upgrade the components of the computer. But the 2011 lasted me a very long time, probably longer than it should have or or could have. Uh, but I did do quite a bit with that 2011. Uh, I was able to upgrade. Well, first of all, it went through, I think, two or three graphics cards because the 2011s were famous for the uh, for the graphics failure. And I, I suspect, know there were... I suspect mm -hmm. that they... So you took it in for the replacement program twice. Mm -hmm. I suspect they did not in fact replace the graphics card. There were some reports that came out pre pretty long after the fact. We're talking like 2014, 2015, 2016 here. Um, there were reports that came out after the fact suggesting that in fact what they were doing was kind of heat shocking the GPU. Uh, mm -hmm. instead of replacing it. Uh, and, and they sort of had a sliding scale of GPU failure, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you're talking about a known manufacturing defect. But regardless, it had multiple GPU remedying procedures. Yes. Uh, yeah, so a bit of work. And I think there were maybe some other things that I had to take it in for. So quite a bit there. And then on my end, I did upgrade the RAM to 16 gigs. Um, I took out the CD drive and I put in an SSD and a hard drive and I had this whole crazy system where I had, so the SSD was split in half and the hard drive was split in half and I made a fusion drive for Mac OS and then I also had bootcamp. So I installed uh, bootcamp on the SSD and I used half of the HDD as like extra storage for steam games and stuff like that. So I put quite that a bit really harebrained that little scheme <laughs> and it was not very much. I mean, how much, how much, it was not more than 256 gigabytes on that SSD, right? The SSD was probably like 256 and then the hard drive was 500 maybe. Yeah, probably. Think, yeah, it was not much. Oh wait, no. Cause you went through a number of hard drives before even the SSD. I remember us replacing the hard drive at least once or twice. Hmm. I don't remember. Yeah. But you see, those were the, see the problem is like in terms of upgrading, we've really gone on quite of a, t a tangent here from mm -hmm. the original question. Yeah. Um, but the point of that tangent was that Noah was able to modify and extend the life of that computer. Um, six years in computer years is a very long time, and we should also point out that that was the base model MacBook Pro. So he was yeah. using the uh, the what is it, an AMD 6490M with 256 yeah. megabytes of, of VRAM yep. in, like, 2017 uh, for, you know, video editing for pretty high-level programming work. That was a very, you know, that was pretty pretty big deal in those days. Yeah. But it's also worth noting, I think, that... Um, 
I don't necessarily know that that would be something that you could replicate now because, well, a, a number of things have changed since that time period. Uh, the first of which is basically there is no upgradability on a Mac anymore. Right. And more and more PCs. I mean, if you if you look at premium PCs, a lot of them are ditching upgradable RAM. Some are ditching upgradable storage. You know, upgradability is, is going away. Um, however, the lifespan of devices is increasing. So that's a trade-off that has some costs and has some benefits. But the I think the the big one is from 2011 to 2017, the biggest thing that didn't change was Intel. Mm -hmm. That was the peak of Intel's essential monopoly and subsequent stagnation in the CPU market. They didn't do anything. <laughs> it was unbelievable. We had like six straight years where everything was quad core. I5s were four cores, four threads. I7s were four cores, eight threads. Mobile I5s were two cores, four threads. Mobile I7s were four cores. Everything was the same for like six years. They went from Ivy Bridge, which was great, to Sandy Bridge. No, sorry, other way. Sandy Bridge to Ivy Bridge. And then we went to Haswell. And then there was like a little bit of Broadwell where it was like, what's that all about? And then we went to Skylake. And then, I mean, Intel's still kind of on Skylake uh, in, in terms of their, what do they call it? Like the TikTok plus, 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 plus a million. So, so 2011 to 2017, yeah, sure, it was a six-year-old computer. But in terms of uh, like processing horsepower, the 2017 MacBook Pros were still four cores, eight threads. They weren't that much faster. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's definitely true. So then the question basically becomes like when I got that base model 15 inch, you know, obviously by the end of its lifespan, I guess the graphics and the uh, screen, you know, not being retina display were sort of the two main limiting factors. But then to bring it back to the question, at this point, you really can't upgrade anything. You know, you buy a new Mac, especially an M1 Mac where you know, it's all built, you know, it's all soldered on, it's all built in, all that. So then the question sort of becomes, it's not so much, do you upgrade, you know, your internals or do you get a new one? But I think the question becomes, do you attempt to future proof? And when I say that you can't, you, you can't future proof, but you can, you can uh, spend more upfront to make your computer last longer. And so the question is, where's the trade-off between doing that or just, you know, uh, buying a less expensive one and upgrading it sooner? How do you make that decision? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because that's, and that's really the question that we're going to have to grapple with for the next for foreseeable future, really, because I don't think upgradability is, is coming back in a big, big way. Um, so I guess there's sort of two ways to think about it. And the, the first way is when you're talking about right now, there are a lot of people that have like mid-2012 unibody MacBook Pros, which are starting to be on the cusp of, of that decision point. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of people stuck with the, the uh, mid-2012 unibodies because they didn't like the reduced upgradability of the retinas, and then they really didn't like the butterfly keyboard. And then now they're starting to, now we're starting to emerge from that tunnel into the Apple Silicon age where it starts to become a question of, okay, do I... Do I keep my mid-2012 going with an SSD upgrade or with 
more RAM or repasting the CPU GPU to make it a little bit cooler running or whatever. But realistically, I I don't think that there's a whole lot that can be done because like even even in the last 10 or 15 years, you know, we talk about upgradability. Really, all we are talking about is storage and RAM. There are almost zero computers, not just Macs, but computers that are laptops with upgradable CPUs and GPUs. And the ones that do have those are pretty bulky. And even then, you're still usually confined to whatever CPU generation that computer was built in. So in terms of making a computer faster, there's not a whole lot that you can do for an old MacBook. That's just the sad reality. If you have a Retina and you want to upgrade the storage, NVMEs are cheap right now. That's a great idea. Absolutely. Um, but the thing that you have to watch out for if you're upgrading a computer, whether this is a Mac or a PC, is essentially, are you putting in more than you are getting out afterwards? The analogy that I uh, said with Noah when we were planning for this was it's like, buying a two-bedroom house and adding a six-car garage to it, you are not going to get the value that you put into that six-car garage out of it when you sell the house. When you put dual one-terabyte SSDs in a mid-2012 MacBook Pro with 16 gigs of RAM, you're going to spend $200, and you are not going to add $200 to the worth of the computer. So when it comes to older Macs like that, I think we're nearing the point where it's like, you know, if you're going to upgrade it, upgrade it reasonably. Otherwise, you're sinking money into, let's be honest, a nine-year-old computer. Yeah, because you get to the point, I mean, especially with the 2012s, like the unibodies, um, not retina displays, and you've got some older ports on there. You know, you still got Firewire, still Firewire right? Yeah, yeah. so... You got old Firewire, you got old Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt, maybe it's Thunderbolt 2, but it's, uh, or maybe it's Thunderbolt 1, but it's it's old. And uh, and even if you have a Retina, and, you know, there's a few things you can do to them, but even if you have a Retina, you are still, um, you know, you still have Thunderbolt 2, you don't have USB-C, you're going to start losing. I mean, eventually you're going to lose official support for Mac OS, and that'll come, you know, sooner on an older computer, obviously, than... You know, if you upgrade, so then that's the point where then you start getting into patching the operating system and uh, and all that stuff, and you know, not supported, and maybe some things don't work quite right, and then it becomes a question of not just how much money uh, you're gonna put into it, but how much effort you're gonna put into it, and how much jank you're willing to live with, and at some point, it becomes compelling enough uh, that you finally bite the bullet and and uh, an upgrade. And that's what Apple is trying to do right now. They're trying to they're trying to make those bullet bitings much more easy. They're trying mm -hmm. to make it from instead of biting a bullet, they're trying to make it into like um, more more like uh, licking a paintball, <laughs> I guess. Where <laughs> I don't know if that really works, but you know you're not biting the bullet as much as you're licking the paintball. You're like, okay, you know what? I've gotten. If you've had a 2012 MacBook Pro since new, then you know what? You get you get a high five and a handshake from Tim Cook because, let's be honest, you spent probably less than $2,000 and you got nine years of use out of a computer. Congratulations. You've won. That is 
end game for extracting the most value out of a computer that you possibly can. And guess what, folks? That mid-2012 15-inch MacBook Pro still has, I don't know, $400 of value in it if it's been modestly upgraded and has you know decent condition, decent battery life remaining on it. That's, that's really good. To be able to buy like a base model mid-2012, in 2012, for, what were they, $1,799, $1,800? Then you, I don't know, let's say you put 200 bucks into it in terms of like a little bit of upgrades, maybe you had to get a new charger. You spent $2,000 on a computer, used it for nine years, and then get $400 for it secondhand. That's redonkulous. That's incredibly good, and you should not feel guilty about that. I mean, if obviously, you know, money-wise, it, it might still be a big commitment to upgrade. But if you feel bad about, you know, oh, I did, maybe I didn't get the most out of that computer, you absolutely did. You've completely, completely won that one. I mean, I, I, I would argue that five or six years is probably a sweet spot for upgrades in terms of, um, it's basically you're talking total cost of ownership, right? So... If you buy a computer for $1,000 and five years later it's worth $500, which is the case with a lot of Macs, that costs you $100 a year. That's insane for technology. Technology depreciates faster than a bag of bricks being thrown off a building, which is a sound analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to... Before I give my two cents i just have to say i feel like licking a paintball would probably give you some sort of poisoning so well i would I'm, recommend maybe it. it's not it's not really like a it's not like a lollipop lick i'm just talking like a little that just a, just the one you know i would just i would just say probably don't swallow you know all right you, well you can, you can lick yeah. the paintball but you gotta you gotta wipe it off after that i really i highly doubt okay first of all I feel like paintballs are non-toxic because if you're in a paintball fight, there's going to be some paint that goes in your mouth. And if that kills you right away, then you might as well be in a normal gunfight at that point. Like, okay, if well, you're going to die like... from ingesting the paint in paintball, why even do it? Okay, I'm sure if someone in the chat plays paintball and they'll tell us who's right. But I feel like, first of all, you're probably going to wear a helmet of some sort, so... I would hope that it wouldn't get in your mouth. And I'm not saying that it's going to kill you instantly. I'm just saying that generally you're not supposed to swallow paint products or ingest paint products. I just wanted to, it was just such a weird analogy. I just, I couldn't leave it unaddressed. Now, now this is, this is really groundbreaking stuff to be covering on a podcast. I mean, when you listen to this podcast, did you really think that the sage advice was going to be don't eat paint? Well, that, that is sage that's advice. a curveball. That is a curveball right there. That's I did a curve not paintball. That. That's a curve paintball. Uh huh. Kind of clunky there. I'll give you that Come, one. No, that was not. That was perfect. Perfectly relevant. Not very clunky. You have to give me that. Come on. A little clunky. I did. I did say that I'll give you that one though, because that was Thank you, you know. I mean, it was sort of a low, a low bar, you know, it was kind of a, a, a low branch there with, with, you know, I kind of gave you all the ingredients. Well, I figured, I kind of figured that you did and I wanted to, 
you know, I wanted to to complete the pass, you know, a few. Oh, there we go. Is that a sport analogy from sport ball? I, I could not. I believe it is, but I couldn't tell you. It sounds like it is. If you couldn't tell, Noah and I don't know the first thing about sport ball. Any no. of them. Any mm-hmm. sport, any ball. <laughs> I don't know anything <laughs> about it. But what we yeah. do know is don't drink paint. Yes. Um, which is also somehow related to upgrading or not upgrading your mid-2012 MacBook Pro. I believe that's where we got started on that. I mean, that was Oh, yeah, your, your two cents. You had two jumper. cents to give. I did. Well, I was going to... I guess it was I sort of... Cash App or Venmo? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to, uh, I guess, sort of pivot a little bit and just say another way to look at it is... Uh, is the question of, um, you know, some people, and I'm very guilty of this, is I have a computer and I'll say like, oh, it still works, it's fine, I'll keep using it. Versus if you do upgrade, maybe you don't need to upgrade, but, you know, if you get, if if the computer is a lot faster and it has more features and you can get more use out of it, then even that, even if the computer that you have right now works, there's another question to consider is, is the upgrade worth it just because, the computer's better and it'll help me to, you know, do what I do on it better. It's another question. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I, I think it's also an interesting distinction here because there's sort of two scenarios that you're touching on there. The first is I can afford to upgrade and should. The second is I want to be smart with my money. And right. sometimes being smart with your money doesn't necessarily mean don't buy anything ever uh in the same way that like you know if you need if you need to upgrade and you can afford to upgrade if you do it wisely then that's you know that's worth doing i i got an email a couple of days ago from someone who was using a computer that really is not well suited to their profession that is actively harming their ability to do their job Mm. And so in that way, a computer is an appliance. It's a tool that lets you do your job better. So a year ago, I bought an 18-core iMac Pro. If I weren't doing YouTube videos, that would be an outrageously stupid purchase. There's absolutely no need for an 18-core iMac Pro unless you're trying to upload YouTube videos. And even then, I still get comments where they're like, oh, you don't need that. Why do you need an 18 core MacBook Pro? Uh, MacBook Pro. I wish. I wish there was yeah. an 18 core MacBook Pro. Why do you need an 18 core iMac Pro? You're just uploading silly little YouTube videos. It's like, first of all, thanks. Thanks for the compliment. Great, great stuff. Uh, and second of all, if I can save three minutes on my first pass render, edit a little bit faster, save a couple minutes here and there, that is directly related to me being able to do my job and me being able to monetize my job as one does with a job. Uh, like, you know, every time, every time there's a new Apple product, I upload on day one. My iMac Pro directly impacts my ability to make money on those days because it means I can upload a video faster. So if you're a graphic designer, you, you might say, uh, I really can't afford to be buying a new computer Uh, that costs more than $400 or whatever, think about it not in terms of like, okay, here's how much money I have and this is how much computer I can afford. 
sometimes it's worthy it, it's worthwhile thinking like okay how much is this going to improve my ability to do what i do if you're freelance and you're a video editor and your expenses are sort of up to you sometimes buying a good well-targeted used computer that's got a good sweet spot of value could be one of the best things that you do um so sometimes you know sometimes sometimes changing uh, sometimes saving money doesn't necessarily save you money if that makes sense right that's definitely true and you could also think about it you know if you have the luxury of being able to afford uh an upgrade and not necessarily knowing um for what it's worth i mean i'd say your time is probably the most valuable thing you have and it's not something that you can ever get back and and, and obviously when you're using a computer you know it's uh not that much of a thing, but like my old 2011 uh, MacBook Pro, it used to take a couple minutes to turn on and then I'd have to wait 10 minutes 10. to be able to use it. Yeah, well, it was like literally it log 15 in. minutes to get in. It would, it would log, it would take, let's say five or 10 minutes to turn on. It would, and then I'd have to wait for at least 10 minutes before I could do anything or else it would be unusably slow and it would lock up and, and uh, beach ball and, and, uh, and whatever. But I put an SSD in it and that was a pretty inexpensive upgrade. Uh, but then it turns on in 10 seconds and it's ready to go as soon as you log in. And that time save adds up a lot and it means I can spend more time doing stuff that I want and, uh, and, and I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, having to turn on, I don't have to worry. I used to make the joke, uh, when I would hang out with Luke, like, I would get my computer ready, like, you know, 15 minutes before I wanted to use it, I'd go, you know, like you're preheating the oven, I'd go turn it on and, and I would wait for it to get ready. And I would say, oh, that's a good thing. I don't want to rush into it. I got to let it get ready. But obviously that was a joke. You used to drive me insane when you would do that. You were always like, oh, don't worry. I'm just, it's just warming up. It's good. Mm -hmm. It gives me some time to unwind. I'm like, what do you mean yes. unwind when you can't do your job and what you need to do? And to mentally prepare, you know, you got to be in a certain headspace yes. in order to use a computer. So, yeah, know. one of the things it, it's actually a feature when you put it like that, because, you know, your mm -hmm. computer starts turning on and then you've got 10, med 10 minutes of meditation, right. of mindfulness. That was a big thing. Remember, is that still mm -hmm. a thing? Do people still do mindfulness? I would imagine, but I, it's definitely not as big of a big of a thing as it as it was a few years ago because i remember we in in one of my classes in high school we used to start every single class with 10 minutes of mindfulness which was very weird really it was very awkward yeah no every single day and keep in mind high school classes what were they like 55 minutes yeah 60 i don't even know it was like a fifth a sixth of the class where we were just sitting there like and then we would start i don't know maybe my teacher just didn't have anything to say to fill the time sounds pretty nice though it wasn't gym class though was it oh no that would be hilarious gym well, but, class but hang is on. not where mindfulness belongs i feel like well but i'll tell you this though and um and we will move on to the next topic in a minute but when i i did uh yoga in in my gym class in high school because we used to we were able to choose from like a couple of options and i chose yoga a couple of times and for the last like 10 or 15 minutes the uh gym teacher would turn off the lights and put on like uh meditation music and we would just lie down on the yoga mats and i would like almost fall asleep sometimes 
So you know, now that you mentioned that, memory. Now that you mentioned that, I think, I think I did do that. I just remember there were a couple of times. I mean, yoga was always like the life hack gym class because half the time. You would just basically sit around and they called it learning. They called it gym, which is really, Mm -hmm. I don't know if the administration was aware of that because I feel like they wouldn't be super happy to know that they were just like, all right, they just plugged into the speakers and just sat, (laughs) just laid down with the lights off for an hour. And then the teacher got their their tenured salary (laughs) for that whole uh curriculum there all right yeah. do we want to move on to our next topic i i do appreciate that we went from upgrading imax to to paintballs and yoga so that's uh that's always fun but we can sort of get back on track a little bit here and and uh and go on to another another topic and uh this next topic has to do with apple potentially removing the charging port from iphones and i guess even more broadly just the trend of tech companies Uh, removing ports from their devices yeah removing ports is an interesting one because i feel like we're sort of conditioned at this point to think that removing any port is bad but this might be controversial how many of you are are sitting there missing your floppy disks missing your cd drives how many of you are sitting there really like oh man i would kill for a firewire 800 port and of course, as soon as I say that, there's going to be we're going to get some emails where it's like, oh, well, actually, I use I use a FireWire 800 modem all the time or whatever. But the vast, vast majority of people do not miss those things. I'll be honest. This might be another. This might be even sort of leveling up the controversial opinion here. Oh, I boy. don't miss the headphone jack. I said it. Not, I don't not, miss the okay. headphone jack. Thoughts? I mean, okay, to be fair, for me personally, I don't miss it either. Back in high school, I used to have my ear pods that I would keep in my pocket, and I could plug them into my phone. I could plug them into my laptop that I used at school and whatever. But then uh, I got the AirPods in 2017, and now at this point, everyone's using Bluetooth AirPods. I mean, my Bose headphones, you know, Luke has his airpod maxes you can feel free to make fun of him for that uh Uh, but all of these devices right are are using bluetooth and so personally personally and so here's here's an interesting an interesting discussion actually and this is a discussion that i've had uh with my sister because she has uh open back headphones they're uh they're they're wired you know obviously wired open back headphones and her headphones are i think they were like a hundred dollars so they're not like audiophile by any means um but they're wired open back headphones, which is you know sort of the classic. Uh, you get bigger sound stage, you get more of like an around you kind of sound. Uh, whereas the closed back headphones, like the you know the headphones that I have on uh, and that Luke has on, um, you know it generally sounds more like it's coming from inside of your head, right? But then there's you know sort of the the trade off there. And for me, having the Bluetooth feature. And I guess it's a little bit off topic, but you know, still relevant to the ports. I would just say that having the Bluetooth feature and being able to walk around without uh, having a cord that I'm going to trip over 
or you know, I'm sitting at my desk with my phone and I get up to refill my water or to um, you know, use the bathroom or something like that. And if I, you know, I don't even have to take my phone with me if I'm you know, close enough in range. And so just the convenience of Bluetooth, you can talk about audio quality all day long and you can, you can fight about audiophile versus you know, consumer grade kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the Bluetooth is just so convenient that I, I, I just, I, I don't know if I could go back uh, necessarily. I, I fully agree with you. And if I'm being honest here, if, if you're an audiophile spending thousands of dollars on headphones or even like many hundreds of dollars on headphones, realistically, you're probably not using your iPhone for that anyway. True. I, you know, I feel like someone's got to say it, you know, like the, the DAC in the iPhone is not getting you the full range out of your $2,000 Sennheisers. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it, it was mainly, it, it was never really about audiophiles or audio quality because quite frankly, the iPhone is not an audiophile product. AirPods Max, which are $550 are not an audiophile product. Nothing Apple makes is niche. Even the Mac Pro, even the iMac Pro, they do not make niche products. That is just a simple fact. You can use it if you're in a specific niche, but it is 0% that Apple made it with you in mind because that is not how they work. Tim Cook is a great and effective CEO because he knows not to chase specific target audiences. He chases down whatever is going to be broadly appealing, even if it pisses people off. And in that case, you know, that was why they got rid of the headphone jack. You think Apple would have sold as many AirPods as they have if they still hadn't had a headphone jack on the iPhone? Do you think Apple would be selling as many AirPods as they are right now if they still shipped headphones in the box? These are all, you know, two-step-ahead, three-step-ahead business decisions. AirPods were not, you know, launched alongside the removal of the headphone jack by accident. And quite frankly, they weren't launched because wireless is better. They were launched because it made financial sense. And a lot of people have also seen the benefit in that. You know, as, as ruthless as companies can be, we can't ignore the benefits of what this transition has meant. I mean... Right now, you can get AirPods on sale for $100. In 2016, you know, AirPods at 160 were seen as like super high end and expensive, and they were hard to find because they were, you know, being kind of scalped uh, mm -hmm. back then, very low supply. But now, wireless headphones are, are becoming more popular. More and more people are, are in, in need of wireless components because there's no headphone jack, and that drives the price down. So there's not really like a, oh, this was a perfect decision or, oh, this was a terrible decision. That's just not really how the tech space works. Um, but I think if we may try to bring it back a little bit to the whole mm -hmm. no port thing, I think what this question asker is really wondering is, are they getting rid of the lightning port? Right. That's the question, because in case you haven't noticed, there is only one port on the iPhone now. And if you're going to go truly port free, there are quite a few problems that you have to solve. And then the question is, can you solve those problems? And is the solution, uh, you know, reasonable enough that you're 
happy or willing at least to give up the port at that point? And does it create value? Does losing the port improve something that that's worth, you know, getting rid of it? That's a, exactly that's that's and I would guarantee that that is the discussion that's happening at Apple. Because for them, it's not like, ooh, will it look better without a port? It's, okay, what, first of all, accessories can we sell? Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, it's a company. Their, their goal is to make money. And if you can't get people to upgrade, then you can get people to add. So right. you, if, you, if, you, if you can't get away with raising the price of the iPhone, then you just raise the price of the things that go with the iPhone. Simple. Now, when we're talking about a portless phone, I think it's important that we take a moment and just kind of discuss our interactions with the lightning port. Because there important. was a time. Important. Oh, ho, ho, ho. see, that one's very good. Thank you. That was, that was an excellent one. Good, good bit of you. wordplay. We here on Dark Mode are big fans of wordplay. Yes. Uh, very, very good. Yes. Now, with something as important as a port. Mm-hmm. There was a time where getting rid of the lightning port is game over. You know, well, literally before wireless charging was on an iPhone, um, that's called a brick. If well, it's you can't a one charge it wirelessly. Yeah, it's a disposable iPhone. Uh, you know what, <laughs> Apple? Apple would. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting question, though. I'm sure they love they'd uh, they get they love to get all those sales. But the question: if you made a if you made a one-time use iPhone, could you get enough people to uh, to buy? one-time use iPhones to uh, that you'd still make your money. I don't think so. Look, let's be real. Banksy sold a one-time use painting that shredded itself while it was being sold. I think Apple could get away with at least a few single-use mm. iPhones just for the meme factor of it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like pragmatically now in 2021, yes. Um, I guess the question is, how often do you use the port on your phone? Well, the first thing is I use the port to charge every single night. And uh, the reason I very rarely, if ever, use wireless charging, and I don't have any MagSafe. First of all, we can get into a whole thing about MagSafe. And I think if Apple does remove the port, which they very well may, I think MagSafe was sort of the, um, the uh, premonent, the... Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is the premonition or the uh, the uh, the event that sort of foretold uh, the removal of the port. But I don't use wireless charging because it's inefficient. It makes the phone hot, or I should say, it's less efficient than a regular old cable. It makes the phone uh, heat up a lot. If you're using like first-party MagSafe stuff, it's kind of expensive. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but if you're paying forty dollars for the charger and it doesn't come with the brick, right? You pay $40 for the puck and you got to pay what 20 bucks for the compatible brick, right? So that's, you know, 60 bucks if you want to use MagSafe and and uh and I personally as far as charging, I I uh I prefer to just, you know, plug in my cable. I have a 10-foot long cable. I have it plugged into a 5-watt power brick because I let the phone charge overnight and it'll charge slower, uh which hopefully won't uh, hurt the battery quite as much and i like that setup i don't really want wireless charging for my for my uh for my bed that's actually quite surprising um i i personally do have wireless charging ironically i use a, a google pixel stand that uh that that google sent me with the mm -hmm. pixel 3 
back in 2018. Honestly, it's great. And that's, that's the, I guess, the one thing that you got to keep in mind about this these sort of charging peripherals that we're not really used to having because we're used to getting a charger with the phone that's right. that's a day of that's of the past that's not going to happen and um i think basically it comes down to realistically a wireless charger is a one-time purchase unless it breaks i've been using mine for three years there's no need to get another one so yeah it's an added cost but it's not a recurring cost and i think that's interesting um it's sort of like with airpods like yeah sure people were were spending 160 dollars on headphones that usually came with the box now they don't come with the box but people don't care because they already have their airpods they don't need to get new ones and and even with that you could say airpods are more uh consumable in that they will wear out battery wise driver audio driver wise they will dr- uh, they will wear out whereas a wireless charger is probably going to be a multi-year thing for $40 that to me is not bad um and in terms of other scenarios where i would use a port i really i can't think of any you look like you have something to say noah i will say first of all we can't all we don't all get free wireless chargers from google so not some some of us do but not i would have bought us. one i would have bought one had that not been the case fair enough i will say though i will say first of all it's great that you can get a wireless charger from google and use it with an apple product uh you know obviously if iphones were to get USB-C, uh that would also be the case uh it's not going to happen and i suspect that another factor that uh apple's considering is if you know they're eventually they would want to move to USB-C if they're going to do anything if they just nix the port before that happens they don't have to worry i think there was something in the uh in the eu or something where they were having some issues related to not using USB-C or using it there's something going on there that i think they could sort of sidestep uh that whole thing if they didn't do it but to be fair uh, you know, you say you, you buy a, uh, a, a wireless charger and you can get cheap ones. I have a $10 wireless charger that I bought when I got my iPhone 10 in 2017 and I have it on my desk and it works and I've used it since then. But you can say the same thing about a cable. You know, you buy a lightning cable and as long as you treat it decently well, it's not gonna, uh, it's not gonna die out on you. So you could sort of make the same argument. Uh, you can't use a lightning cable with an Android phone. I'll give you that. But um, you know, you can, you can get into that argument, but I will agree with you though, that, you know, 40 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever to get a nice wireless charger and it'll last you for a long time. Not that big of a deal. But for the other reasons that I said, as far as the phone getting hot, it being less efficient, I think it, I could be wrong. I, I think I read that it's worse for the, the battery health overall. I could totally be wrong about that, but just in general, you know, I still, prefer not to use it. Uh, you you might be right about it being worse for the battery but from my experience i don't know that it would be that big of an impact and mm-hmm. i have a pretty decent ground to stand on there because i had my iphone 10s max for two years and i wireless charged it since um so i got it in october of 2018 at the beginning of october and I was wireless charging it from the end of October. So basically, a full two years of wireless charging that phone almost 100% of the time. And by basically just charging it when it needed to be charged, 
Um, and then eventually they had like the smart charging thing where it'll learn your sleep schedule and it'll mm-hmm. charge up a little bit and then stop and then charge the rest of the, uh, the rest of the way in the morning before you wake up. I, I had that phone for two years and it current, uh, well, I still have it. It is at 98% battery capacity. So that's not it bad. certainly did not have any sort of a noticeable impact on me personally. It's, and that's, in fact, that's really, really good. Like taking care of your battery two years with 98% capacity is really impressive. Yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly better than I've ever done. My, I don't know what it is, but my iPhone batteries just don't last. They don't, they don't do well for me. Yeah. Your iPhone 10 was really dicey towards the end there. Wasn't it? Well, the 10 got bad and then two years and I had the iPhone 10 for two, for three years and then I upgraded to the 12 Pro. But the first, after two years, I got the battery replaced at the Apple store and it helped a little bit, but by the end of the third year, you know, I had that new battery for a year and by the end of that uh, third year, it was uh, really not that great. So uh, it could be, you know what, maybe my charging habits are actually bad and yours are actually good and I'm stuck oh. in the past and you're actually right. It totally, what a totally plot could twist. be. It could What a plot be. twist. Holy moly. This is crazy. I'm not... It, actually, I'm not now that you mention it, now that you mention it, my mother, you know, we started this whole bit uh, talking about, you know, it's what our mothers tell people when their iPhones won't connect to Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom didn't really have issues connecting to Wi-Fi, but she did have issues connecting to being on insofar as the battery would die in like 40 minutes. So my mom had an iPhone 6S from new until, well, she, she bought the, uh, the iPhone 12 that I reviewed off of me. So she had a 6S from end of 2015 until end of 2020, which is a really long time to have a single phone and especially to have it still be supported natively by apple in ios 14 which is really impressive however what was not impressive was the battery life uh now she Mm -hmm. didn't ever have like the throttle gate issue but that battery it was when i when i was switching over and migrating her data to the iphone 12 i had the iphone 12 plugged in and the 6s on battery and it went from 75 percent battery to five percent battery in under half an hour mm-hmm. wow so it's, it's basically... it, was, it was like a fun little game sometimes it would drop more than one percent like you'd watch it go down and sometimes it would drop like 86 to 83 like it would skip oh. numbers that's how fast it drained See, I was going to say it was like one of those uh, hourglasses where you would turn it over and see the time go, but if it, it sounds like it wasn't even an accurate Basically. hourglass. No, it wasn't super accurate, but it was, I mean, I've never seen, like, you know how when you see the battery percentage go down, you're like, ooh, I just saw it happen. Yeah. I, is that just me? Do you do that as well when you see the battery percentage go down? I get. I don't see it. I guess I don't really stare at, especially since you don't see the battery percentage in the status bar unless you get control center. I True. guess I really don't see it that much these days. 
Yeah, I don't mean I, it's. I think it's because it's so rare that I always every time I saw battery percentage go down on like a microphone or whatever, I'm always like, oh, I saw it go down. Oh boy, yeah. that's like yeah. cool. I don't know. It's kind of stupid, but it, that this completely desensitized me to seeing battery percentage go down because it was like every ten seconds. It was it was hard to it was hard to look at the screen and not see the battery percentage go down because it was draining so fast. Right. Um, I want to just say one more thing. We're wrapping up. We're coming up on an hour now, but just to say one more thing, uh, as far as removing the port, uh, when you run into issues, that is a huge thing. Luke and I have uh, been doing some stuff, and I'm not going to say much, but we've been doing a lot mm. of recovery mode and a lot of DFU mode, and I'm not going to say anything more about that. But we've, we've been doing a lot, a lot of, of doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And if you have a phone that you cannot fix yourself. I, I hate when I have a product and I can't do any sort of debugging or I do as much debugging as I can. And then, you know, you got to call Apple and, and they tell you to do the same steps again. You're like, okay, I already did that. I know it's not the more, if you they take away the port and you can't, you know, the phone is dead and, and there's something going on and the wireless charger won't wake it up, or you need to restore the operating system or whatever. When you need, when you need that sort of debugging, when you want a direct connection, you know, maybe your connection is flaky, your Wi-Fi is not working very well, you're trying to, you know, copy a, you know, airdrop a file, or you're trying to, um, even Xcode, I'm using Xcode to sideload an app onto my phone. And sometimes Xcode, my phone gets disconnected from Xcode, and if I just plug it in for a second, I can run my app. If not, I got to like restart the phone. I got to check the Wi-Fi settings, like a whole thing. When you have situations like that and you have no option but to, you know, I guess restart your phone or, or go to Apple if your phone's not working, that to me, I, I, I don't like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, if it's fine 90% of the time, right. the 10% of the time that it's not fine is going to be 50 times more annoying than right. when you can fix it by plugging it in. Uh, and speaking of plugging it in, mm -hmm. let's plug you subscribing to this podcast if you're not already. Ooh, that, that was, was really smooth. Uh, well, okay, you know, I'll admit it wasn't the finest, but you know, sometimes you just gotta gotta get that in. We're already going over time here. That was so about we really gotta smooth. wrap this up. I just want to say that was about as smooth as chunky peanut butter, and I liked that about as much as you would like chunky peanut butter. Ah, uh, yes, because I'm allergic to not just chunky, but all sorts of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you what else I'm allergic to, Noah. What's that? Taking up more time than we should with this podcast, uh -oh. so uh -huh. it's time to end it. This has been Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts, and hopefully... You've learned a thing or two, like, for example, to not drink paint. Um, mm -hmm. And so with that, then uh, we, we bid you adieu. I've yes. been your host, Luke Miani. And I have been your host, Noah Rubin. You can join us every uh, Sunday night at 9 p.m. or most Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, to watch live on YouTube. And you can find us on all of your favorite uh, podcast uh, apps to listen throughout the week. You can head over to drkmodepodcast.com to get the links, and you can also find our email address where you can send us questions, and we'll include them in the podcast. All the questions we addressed today were sent to us by listeners, and if you send us a question, we might also include it as well. So you should consider doing that. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Take care. Good night.